Hey, Westside family, Jake Gilbert here, one of the leaders in charge of our media department. Thanks for joining us for today's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. We love you guys, and enjoy. Uh, I'm going to start off with some dad jokes. I have 12 uh, dad jokes. Uh, uh, so, what did someone, what did someone just say? Like, oh, come on, all right. Uh, you know, dad's. Dads are pretty infamous about corny jokes or stupid things they say. So uh, I tried to pick some actually funny ones or something that's not so stupid. But anyway, so here we go. How do you get a country girl's attention? A tractor. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, that that kind of hits home, don't it? Yeah, that one hits home. <laughs> Uh, let me put my hair behind my ears. Why are elevator jokes so classic and good? They work on many levels. Ah, I like this one right here. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not supporting uh, something you will hear here. I just think it's funny. What do you call a pudgy psychic? A fortune teller. A fortune teller. <laughs> I like that. Okay. I got a weird sense of humor. I know. Why did the police officer say to his, or what did the police officer say to his belly button? You're under a vest. <laughs> I'm getting typical dad joke responses. Ha, 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 ha. That is so stupid. What do you call it when a group of apes start a company? Monkey business. Yeah. <laughs> Here's it. What do you call a naughty lamb dressed up like a skeleton for Halloween? Bad to the bone. <laughs> Want to know why nurses like red crayons? Sometimes they have to draw blood. What would the Terminator be called in his retirement? The Exterminator. Ah, uh, yeah, that's beyond you guys. All right. Three more. Why do bees have sticky hair? Come on, bee lovers. Because they use a honeycomb. Why do some couples go to the gym? Because they won't. Because they want their relationship to work out. Last one. Or no, two more. Why is Peter Pan always flying? Because he never lands. And the last. Why did the coach go to the bank? To get his quarterback. All right, give it a hoorah for some dad jokes. All right, so three hats of a godly father is what I'm going to speak to you today. I got three hats that kind of represent this. You know, for me, I don't so much wear hats like I used to uh, because my wife wish I didn't. Uh, but I typically have three types of hats. I have a work hat. You can see this one's pretty worked up, pretty good. Good old faithful John Deere hat. I do my work in it, except for painting. I have another paint hat. We have 
the nice casual hat. You know, if you don't want to comb your hair, and, but yet you want to look nice, nice casual hat. And then we got the Mr. Cool hat, right? This is when you want to go out on the town, do a little dancing with your honey, go chill at a jazz restaurant or something like that. We got Mr. Cool hat. I think I'm going to leave this on. It, it, I know the colors clash, but I'm, I, I'm, you guys have hats on, so I'm going to leave mine on. So anyway... The three hats of a godly father. I was planning on to give a light, humorous uh, message today, but uh, something happened yesterday with my son that completely changed my mindset. And in that changed mindset, uh, I felt like I needed to maybe take today's message a bit more serious because I was really just trying to lightly load it. Uh, so I, I, I really want to talk to you for a few minutes about what we as dads need to do, uh, the three hats of, of, a, of a godly father. What happened, what kind of just completely changed my mind yesterday and uh, was Koa was left here yesterday afternoon and he was headed south on Palm and he had a car approaching him uh, going extremely fast and at the last minute, it came right over into his lane. Like he said, the car looked like it was going about 100 miles an hour. And at the last possible second, it came right over into his lane. And he just jammed on the steering wheel. It completely spun his car around into the dirt, and he was headed toward the trees. And he spun it hard the next to, to the left, and then it spun itself out in the dirt. And he ended up calling me, and, you know, we were talking about it. And it, number one, it, it, of course, as a dad, it made me angry. I wanted to find this driver. Uh, then again, it began to, I began to enter into a moment of humility and thankfulness uh, unto God. But that began to get me to think about things, like, and the first thing for me is my prayers for my children and my family. And how I personally believe that it's my consecrated prayers uh, for my family that, that was a part of him being protected, uh, a part of other things that has happened in my family. And that got me just realizing the importance of specific disciplines that we as dads need to exercise or execute to maintain uh, a godliness in our family. And so I was just thinking on that, and it, and it, and it really sobered me, you know, sobered my mind. It, uh, it brought on a seriousness, and I, I just couldn't go with where I was going. I, I felt in my heart I have to, uh, you know, share this way. So that we as dads can do what we need to do to maintain godliness in our families, but even also exercise, you know, our faith dis disciplines so that we also give God a chance to work on behalf of our families. I am a byproduct of a praying dad and a praying granddad. Of course, my mom and my grandmom pray too, but... I can honestly say that God has moved in my life and 
there's been numerous times in my life where I should have died or should have been really hurt, and it didn't happen. Uh, and I honestly, with all my heart, believe that's a byproduct of, you know, a dad and a granddad. Because, you know, I, I, I was raised by two dads, my dad and my granddad, that exercise spiritual disciplines to keep God at a forefront, even though I struggled with it at times, but also uh, to keep me safe when maybe, you know, I wasn't exercising sp- the spiritual disciplines that I needed to. So let's just talk about this uh, real fast. The first one is the first hat we should wear, dads, is the hat of prayer. We as dads should be praying for our children. I'm not talking about a little God bless you or God help them when the time is, you know, when you want your kid to get a job because they haven't been working and you're like, God, please give this kid a job. I'm sick, sick of them watching TV or playing video games in the house. I'm not talking about that, even though that's, that's important. Like I, I, I'm talking about like a serious, fervent prayer. And I have a couple verses or a verse for you. James 5, 16 through 18 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And this is the key element. The effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. I love how the scripture tells us what we need to do, and then it gives us an example to prove the possibility of it. So the scripture is basically saying to us, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. In other words, it helps, it impacts, it changes things. And then the writer of the book wasn't finished. He gave an example of one of the most respected prophets of, uh, 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 in the Bible, but also of their faith. And it was Elijah, and, and I love how he said, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, Elijah was no more special than you and I. He was just a man that had faults, but he was a man that also gave his life to God and his will to God to be used by God. And when he prayed for it to stop raining, it stopped raining. And when he prayed for it to rain again, it started raining again. And so basically the writer was saying, just like Elijah's prayers are answered, your prayers can be answered too. And I'm here to say, dads, one of the greatest things you can do for your children is to pray for them in an absolute fervent serious, like going to war way for your, your children. Not just your children, but other family members, but we are focusing on dads today. Because your prayers as a dad, when they are fervent for your children, are heard by God, and God responds. According to what we just read, God responds and God answers 
the fervent prayer of a righteous man, and it avails much. So what do we pray for? We pray for all the standards, health, blessing, opportunity, favor. We pray for, we pray for uh, protection. We pray for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We pray for a heart's desire for God from our children. We pray that they make right choices. We pray that they are bold in their faith. We pray that they honor human, other human beings in society. We pray that they are worshipers of God. We go on and we go on and we go on. And the list can be quite extensive. And then we know that there is some things when it comes to prayer that prayer alone doesn't do. There is an attachment of fasting. Now, me personally, God led me to start praying for or fasting for my kids uh, last year. So going on about a year, a little less than a year, every single week I fast for my, for, for my family. And I have seen God protect I've seen God move. I have seen doors opened because, and there is a simple prayer that I pray all day long throughout the day, not like all day long, but throughout the day, there is a simple prayer that I declare for my children on those, on on the day of fasting for me. And I can tell you, I have seen God move for my family because I've chosen to sacrifice food for a certain amount of time, and I declare a specific word. Is everything perfect? No. By God, God, Lord, no. Things aren't perfect. We have struggles in our family. We have issues in our family. We don't always see eye to eye. We make mistakes. That's going to happen. And prayer or these other two things is not an end all. You don't just do these things in your family, then everything's A-OK. No. We are full of flesh. We have a sinful nature. We got things we have to work out. There's a devil that tempts who is trying to destroy. But I will tell you, when you pray for your kids, you, you are giving God an opportunity to work and move on behalf of your kids. I am a byproduct of it. I heard my dad praying for me. I heard my granddad praying for me. It was was my dad's habit uh, from 8 to 11 in the morning at church before he did anything. He would pray and study or get, get inside the word. And it wasn't just message prep. It was his time. And he told his secretary and everyone who worked at the church knew you do not bother him between 8 and 11 because he is praying and he is in the word. And when I worked for him, I remember uh, doing what I was doing at the church and he would be in the sanctuary praying. 
my dad is an exuberant prayer at times, and I remember hearing, he didn't even know I was, I was in the balcony taking care of what I was working on, but I remember him calling my name out, calling my wife's name out, calling my brothers out unto the, uh, unto the Lord, and it humbled me, it did something, it impacted me. I remember as a kid spending the night at my grandparents' house and my room was next door to their room and their habit was to sit down at the end of their bed together before they got in the bed. And I remember hearing him call my name out unto the Lord. Lord bless John John in the name of Jesus Christ. Move on behalf of John John in the name of Jesus Christ. Give, he called me John John by the way. Give John John favor in the name of Jesus Christ. Bless Lorana Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. And I cannot tell you how it impacted me. And it just didn't tell me that my dad and my granddad loved me, but they were fighting for me. They were believing for me. They were going to God on my behalf. It changes circumstances. Changes circumstances. The first step you can make to maintain a godly home Dads, is to make it a point to pray for your kids. Number two is leading by example. Noah set the example of a godly man and with his son, and his sons followed his example and was saved from the flood. Let me read you a couple areas in Genesis. Genesis uh, 6, 9 through 6, 9 and 10, and then Genesis 7, 6 and 7. This is the story of Noah and his family. Noah was right with God. He was without blame in his time. Noah walked with God, and Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So you get that. You get the foundation right there, that Noah walked with God. He was a righteous man. So this is what we know. Noah led by example. Then move to the next chapter. It says Noah was 600 years old when the flood of water came upon the earth. Then Noah and his sons and his wife and his son's wives all went into the large boat because of the water of the flood. So you see right there that Noah's sons were not children. They were adults because they had wives. And because they were adults, they had their own free will. They could do whatever they wanted to do. But what did they choose to do? They chose to follow the leadership of their dad. Even when they had never even heard of a flood, never even heard of rain, they did not have a clue. But they had witnessed their dad leading by example. Being a man that walked with God, being a man that talked with God, being a man that conversed, that was used by God because Moses led by example. So instead of Noah's sons kind of siding in with the world, arguing with dad, they followed Noah into the boat and Noah's lineage or Noah's son's families and the future seeds was saved. Why? Because their dad led by example. Don't expect, fathers, your children to be godly if you're not godly. Don't expect your children to honor your wife if you don't honor your wife. Don't expect your children 
to work hard if you don't work hard. Don't expect your children to be lovers of God if you're not lovers of God. Now, sometimes it does happen. I have come across a, 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 a variety of experiences to where the family sends the kid to church. The, the kid gets on fire at church. They goes back to the family. And next thing you know, mom and dad is coming to church. But I have to say, in my experience, that is an exception to the rule. More times than not, what I've experienced, it's kids, teenagers, uh, young adults, they'll come to church, they experience God, they'll get on fire for God for a bit, but when they go back home, they go into an ungodly environment because mom and dad is not embracing godliness, and instead of that kid hanging on to God, after a period of time, that kid turns from their experience with God and just follow suit with what mom and dad, specifically dad, is doing. Dads, I charge you today. It is your responsibility. It is your purpose. It is your first calling to lead by example so that your children can follow God well. Don't expect the pastors to lead them the right way. Pastors should. But they are not front line. Church leaders is not front line for what should happen or what is godly in our families. No, they are just backup resources. Dads, I am your backup resource. I am not the front line leader of your family. You are the frontline leader of your family. You are a gateway. Through you comes blessing and comes curse. So choose today how you will lead, and I admonish you to lead wisely and to lead righteously so you can develop trust in your family as a godly man. Not a perfect man. You will never be perfect. My dad and my granddad was righteous men of God on totally different levels, opposite ends of the spectrum. My dad was a pastor and a businessman. And his influence, his leadership was totally different than my granddad's. I saw what he did on a daily basis, his commitment to God, his commitment to righteousness, how much he prayed, how much he studied. At times, how he would stop what he, would do, he was doing and to go be with someone that is going through a tragedy. There's been more than once we've been on vacation and my dad took an early flight out to be with someone in the midst of a tragedy simply because that's what he was called to do. And I witnessed that and I saw that. On the other hand, my granddad was, was rough around the edges, was wild in the day. I heard story after story of him being an outlaw and him running from the police and him uh, racing down the highway, him taking a motorcycle down the highway and, go, and going really fast. He had one foot on the handlebars and one foot on the seat. But then he also told me in that how the last time he did it, God spoke to him 
while he had his foot on a handlebar and his foot on the seat. I'm not talking about a dirt bike. I'm talking about a, a street bike. He had a Harley and he had an Indian when he was growing up or when he was an adult. And he said, God said to him, Laney, you're going to die. You want to get woke up by God? Let God tell you you're going to die. And he literally hopped on the seat, went home, and put his motorcycles up for sale. I mean, so, but I heard over and over about how God moved on my granddad's behalf. Over and over how God moved on his land. God moved when he was hunting and fishing. God moved on the job. All these things, like I heard story after story after story about how God moved in my granddad's life. And I witnessed my granddad being anti-world. Like, he wouldn't tolerate junk in the world. Like, dirty and uncleanness and perversion and, and people talking ugly and things like that. So my, my, my point, without this being about me, for goodness sakes, I saw all that, but I also saw mistakes. I knew my, 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 my dad and my granddad wasn't perfect. But to this day, I, I, I can't even really think about any major issues that they had. I just know that they wasn't perfect. And at the time, I knew that there were mistakes and they could have did things better. What stands out to me more than anything is how they led me and my brothers. They led us in a righteous, godly way that has impacted us. Did we ever get off counter? Yes, we did. Did, it, did. did we ever get a little wild? Yes, we did. Did we go too far with things? Yes, we did. But we came back. We came back to the ark. We came back to salvation. We came back to God. We came back to prayer. We came back to worship. We came back to choosing God's ways and not the world's way. Why? Because my dad and my granddad led us by example. The third one is mercy. Again, I've experienced this deeply from my dad and granddad, showing mercy when they didn't have to. I can give you multiple stories, but like owing my, da owing my dad a good sum of money and him just letting it go just because of mercy. Or I told the story before how I, blow the, I blew the end off of my granddad's prized shotgun because I fell in a mud hole and I didn't know as a kid not to shoot mud out of a shotgun. I shot mud out of a shotgun and it literally ripped the end of the barrel. It was completely ripped apart, kind of like you would see in a cartoon. Oh, when I walked home, the look on his face said that I could tell he was so mad. I could tell he was so upset. It made me go into tears. He didn't scold me. He didn't discipline me. He didn't say anything to me. He sawed it off, took it to a gun shop. They put a choke on the end of it, and it brought it back to normal. Like that mercy has stood out to me over the years. Let me read you a couple of, 
Oh, let me say this. And even in my own life, dads, I've had to stop being so hard. I've had to stop carrying out certain ways of discipline because I was realizing that my choices and my actions really wasn't disciplining my children. They was creating a divide between me and my children. And I had to pull back and I had to stop. I stopped spanking Koa when he was about 13. Because he, like, we all, like, Koa, get off that stupid phone, son. I'm preaching. <laughs> Even now, I'll, I'll rebuke his butt in a heartbeat. We're going to talk story about that, son. I'm preaching, and you're looking at a phone. Boy, I can't whoop him now. He probably can whoop me, to be honest with you. But I do have some secret, you know, moves up my sleeve he don't know. So he better watch out, boy. The, the snake will strike. <laughs> anyway, my point, my, my, my point is, like, there came a point, like, he was 13. And, and I remember, you know, Koa could have it, like, Koa can get, when he was younger, boy, he had a mouth and he had an attitude and he can be extremely disrespectful. And I was raised like that is a no-no. Like, that is like one of the ultimate sins is to be disrespectful to your, your family. And uh, so anyway, long story short, he did that and I, and I whooped him. I whooped his butt. Boy, I whooped it good. I probably got a little bit of his back and I might have got a little bit of his legs too. Don't look at me like I'm bad. But I realized, nah, enough's enough. This ain't doing him no good. It's creating an issue. Number one, it's, it's creating anger in me, and I sh you shouldn't discipline as a dad when you're angry and full of wrath. It's creating a divide. It's creating this fear factor that I don't want to be there. So I completely changed how I discipline. I completely changed the things that I did and and I begin to see a difference. So I don't I'm not just saying this to you to preach it or teach it. I'm just telling you this from experience that sometimes dads in order to keep peace in your family to keep an intimate relationship intact with your kids you might not need to be so hard. And learn how to do it a little bit different. Because mercy for your kids is way better than you just feeling like you got to come down hard on them. Because at the end of the day, what you have between you and your kids is way better than your need to hold tradition and discipline in a hardcore way. I'm not saying don't discipline. Everyone's hearing that, right? I'm saying you might need to do it a little bit different to exercise mercy for your kids. Let me read you a verse. I'm going to read you two verses that just kind of hits home with this. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, and this is the NLV version, so it kind of, it's a little bit different, but it's good. Fathers, do not be too hard on your children so they will become angry. Teach them in their growing years with Christian teaching. Uh, Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not be so hard on your children that they will give up trying to do what is right. 
Mercy, dads. Mercies. Balanced, balanced out with discipline. Let me give you another example from a biblical story. And I'm, I'm, I'm shutting down in five minutes or less. Absalom and David. So Absalom was the, he, the quintessential bad son. Like he, he tried to take, overtake David as a king. He went and in broad daylight, he slept with, didn't sleep with, had fornication with several of David's concubines. He completely, uh, like, uh, betrayed. He, com- he completely uh, violated, you know, the son-father relationship, the king relationship. To the point that they were seeking Absalom to kill him. This was David's man, not David. And there was this somewhat of a raid that David's men went on going for Absalom and the followers of Absalom. And what you see in this story is David's mercy. It's beautiful, beautiful mercy. Even though Absalom had violated David, tried to overthrow David, and, and, had, and, and committed fornication against David's concubines, David's words to his men was, be gentle with my son. Make sure harm doesn't come upon him and that's not what happened but I'm wanting us to see see the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart David was a man after God's heart and this is one of the areas you see the heart of God working through David David had every right to hold an offense against his son Absalom David had every right to push the charge for Absalom to be killed, to be captured, to be locked up. And when the charge began, instead of David pushing that, David was like, be gentle. One of the versions actually says gentle. Be gentle with my son. I love this. It, 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 you know, it kind of brings a softness to my heart. It, it shows us a softness about David. He loved his son. And even though his son was the worst version of a son, he still was exercising mercy. Be gentle to my son Absalom. Why? Because the love of a father for the love of a, of a son and or daughter should be full of mercy, grace, and softness. At the end of the story, Absalom was on a horse and Absalom had long, beautiful, curly hair. And his hair blowing in the wind, riding on a horse, got caught in a tree limb. And his hair wrapped around that tree limb, and the horse kept running. And Absalom was there left hanging in the air by his hair from a tree limb. Long story short, 
David's men came to where he was hanging alone. And one of David's top soldiers put a spear right through his heart. And then 10 other soldiers came with their swords and just sliced him up. And then they buried him and put a pile of rocks on him. And then there was a couple of messengers that ran to give David the news. And when David heard that his son, who who was the worst version of any son, had died, this is what the word says. The king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. This, I don't know, it, 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 it kind of moves me. It, 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 it roughs my heart up a little bit. To hear the cry of this father's heart for his son when his son was no good. His son was the worst version. But the heart of David toward his son was that of mercy and grace. Dads, don't allow your offense from your, the offense that can come from your children, the ups, being upset, being mad, being angry, cause you to discipline or have an attitude toward them in such a way that you lose mercy, that you lose grace, that you lose the heart of God toward your children. In my family, we know no matter what we do, we can always go back to our dad. No matter what. Like we know this. And we have pushed the envelope and we have tested the waters. And some of us have done more than others. But no matter what, we all know we can always go back to the mercy of our dad. And our dad will love us He'll shoot straight with us. He will never abandon us. Because a godly dad has a heart of mercy before he has a heart of discipline. Doesn't mean we don't discipline. The Bible teaches that too. But before the desire to discipline, there should be the heart of mercy and that mercy should guide how we discipline if you're too hard maybe you need to lighten up if your attitude is creating a wedge or a division in the family maybe you need to change your attitude if you're harboring ill feelings because your kids done something stupid that affected you maybe you need to Realize the apple don't fall too far from the tree. And you need to go and restore that. 
Our families, our children are too important, men, dads, to not wear these three hats. The hat of prayer, the hat of leading by example, and the hat of mercy. If you want to be a godly dad, then I've just given you three steps that will lead you in the right direction. Amen? Stand to your feet if you would. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks. Thank you.